You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. God is opening up amazing doors and we're just walking through it and there's prophecies that that have been spoken over our lives. But I realise for myself, my own personal conviction is this, is God can give you a prophetic word, but I realise the only one who can stop it is me. If God speaks over my life and calls me to do something spectacular or do something amazing, God, I go, gosh, that's an incredible word. I can stop it because I can not look after myself. How many people know it doesn't matter how good you preach or how good you lead or teach. If you're not looking after this, it doesn't matter how good you were. Everybody will talk about how good you was. Amen. Praise God. So I mean, you know, I, I want to make the next decade count. You know, I said to Pastor Mark, I said, I'm going to make 55 the fittest I've ever been. I'm going to make Andrew look unfit. That is my goal. Amen. He's 20 years younger. He's got more hair. He's in better shape. But one day, my friend, <laughs> he's going never, never. So it's just a, a general competition. But, you know, I, I, want to share, I want to share a message with you. How many people love Pastor Mark's message last week? I heard that he got off the pulpit and walked up and down the rows. That probably intimidated some of you because you're so afraid of the pastor getting off a stage. I feel like I should just jump over chairs today, you know. Maybe I'll run up the balcony. Maybe I'll swing. No, I didn't know. But, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you. He talked about the next step, and he was talking about taking that next step. And so I want to continue on with that message and, and kind of flow from that. Because, you know, as he was speaking, he spoke this message in KL the week beforehand. And I was so stirred by the message because he t- spoke about biblical characters that really inspire me. But he was talking about this stuff. And I realized that, you know, taking the next step is something that we all do. How many people know? Everybody's on a journey. Amen. You're in a, you're in a journey right now. The Bible says that, uh, do you not know that in, a, in, in Corinthians, it says, do, not, do you not know that in, in a race, all the runners run? How many people know we're all in a race? Whether you realize it or not, you're part of a race. You're called the human race. Okay. I mean, just laugh. It's my birthday. Please, praise God, you know. You're, you're in a race and, and there's a journey. And, and Paul said this, he says, he said, but only one wins the prize. Run like that one who wins the prize. Now, what I realize is this, is it's not about getting first place. It's the attitude to which you run. See, the runner that wins the race is the one that runs with the best attitude. So it's not about whether you cross the line first or second or third. It's the attitude to which you ran your race. And I realized that in our journey in life, there are steps that we take. And Pastor Mark was talking about that. And what I I was thinking about more so than anything is, if we may start here, and a a lot of times we see these things, you know, like we see the before and afters. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Especially like when it's health people, you know, they show this picture of this guy and he's he's got his stomach bloated out. I'm sure they Photoshop it and he's fat and he's dumpy and he's sitting there with a newspaper to show the correct date. And then they show a photo of him six months down the track and he's got six pack, man. He's ripped to shreds, man. He's holding another newspaper. He's like, yeah, baby. But he's got to tan the whole works. How many people know? Most people always show the before and the after and they're good. But how many people know what really counts is what's going on in this section? So you can show the before and the after, but what's going on here? And that's the thing. Even when you take a step, when you're taking a step, you start here, you take a step. And it, you, this is your beginning. This is your end. But it's what goes on in between. It's what goes on in the middle that really counts. Amen. 
It's like most of us, like when I think about health, because most people always make a New Year's resolution that they're going to get fit. Right? And the gyms love you for that. Because then we all go and buy gym membership. And the average gym, by the way, to probably hosts about 100 people. That's the maximum capacity they can actually host. But the average gym membership of the average gym is around 2,500 people. Because they expect at least 90% of the people that sign up will never turn up. You think I'm joking. That's actual truth. They actually expect that most people that sign up for gym went with the best intentions, but that didn't get them in shape. Come on, folks. Come on, man. Some of us are, oh, there's no way men's going on here, right? Am I convicting you? Good. Have some more. Praise God. Right? We, we join a gym and we get all the gym gear. We buy the latest dry fit gear, man. We buy the latest trainers, man. We've even got the socks that don't make your feet stink. You know, we've got the sweatband. We buy the, we buy the hydration bottle and it's even got an image of what we want to become on it. You know what I mean? And you walk into the gym going, hey, 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 you know what I mean? You get on that treadmill, you do a little bit of treading, you get on their cycle thing, you get on their flipping, whatever that thing is, you know what I mean? Then you pump some iron, yeah, baby, right? And you're working out, you're smiling at people, you're drinking your stuff, you even leave the gym and you have a protein drink because you want to feed what you just worked out. You even feel different as you walk out the gym. How many people, come on, man, you know people do this, right? Especially this next generation, they're just taking photos of themselves. (laughs) And it drives me crazy, that stuff. Anyway, but the thing is, but how many people know? So you finish that first day, you do really good, but then you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning, there are parts of your body that you've never felt before. You can't even yawn. You go, oh! You can't move. How many people know? And so all of a sudden now what went from excitement from the first day of gym, now the pain took over and now you have to make a decision. Will you continue or should you have a three-month rest? (laughs) Maybe you didn't join a gym. Maybe you bought a piece of fitness equipment that's at home. Is it still being used or has it now become your wardrobe? Do you use it as a coat hanger rack? Come on, folks, that's an expensive coat hanger rack. I remember one time I bought one of those things because it was there. I can't remember what they're called. Some crazy machine that makes your arms work, your legs work, and you pump it, and you can do these courses. So I bought this hardcore machine. That lasted like a month. And then it just became my suit jacket hanger. You know what I mean? It, like we can start with the best intentions, and we have a goal to get to the end game, but it's what goes on in the middle that shapes us. And that's the same thing with life right now. I don't know what situation you're going through right now. Forget fitness, but maybe you'd be believing for something and you're on a journey. Maybe you're believing for that job. Maybe you're believing for that relationship to come to pass. Maybe you're believing for, for something else to begin to change and transition in your life. And you've got a beginning and you can see what the end would look like, but it's how you handle the middle that's going to make the difference. Does that make sense? And every single one of us are on that journey. Maybe you're, you're in the thick of it right now. Maybe you're coming to the end. Maybe you're just about to start it. And today I just want to talk to you about this. As Pastor Mark spoke about the next step, I want to talk about how you handle your middle. Is this okay, folks? Praise God. Please, please talk back to me. I mean, seriously, I just had to deal with the first service quiet, man, honestly. If I want to speak to a quiet church, I'll preach to my computer. Amen. I'm speaking to human beings. Please talk back to me. Amen. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? We just, again, I say this every time I come here. We go, I go to flipping hawker stores. I went last night and had thunder tea rice. It was off the dial good. 
It was so good. It was, I mean, it was one of the, it was unbelievable food. It was Upper, upper Bukatima and it was, it was anointed. Jesus was there. It was powerful stuff. But I couldn't even hear us talking to one another because it was so loud at the hawker store with everybody just celebrating and having a good meal together. Come on, man, we should never be outdone by a hawker store. How many people know that Thunder Tea Rice was here today, gone tomorrow? But what we're speaking about, is that too much for some of you guys right now? Maybe not gone tomorrow, maybe gone earlier on this morning. I don't know. But the thing is, this is what we're talking about here, Lewis, for eternity. So let's get into it. Amen. So I want to talk to you about the middle. And, you know, Pastor Mark, he, he, as he preached, he, he mentioned this one. He mentioned a number of biblical characters. And Joseph is one of my favorites that he talked about. And so I want to look at the life of Joseph. And we'll, I'm not going to take all the scripture, but we're just going to pull it apart. And I'm going to talk to you about his middle. So Genesis 37 verse 5 to 11 said this. It says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaths in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down before my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams or for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and he told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bowed down before me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. See, I want to talk to you about what you do in the middle. Joseph gets this dream and we know the story. If you've been a Christian for a little while, you know the story of Joseph. And if you're not a Christian, maybe you went to see the Technicolor Dreamcoat, you know, the, the, the play or whatever it's called, right? And you know a little bit about the story of Joseph. We know that he had this dream and we know that he was given this beautiful coat of many colours. But then he went through this journey and there was a beginning of his dream and the fulfillment of his dream took around 17 years, right? And so how many people know he experienced a lot of middle? Does that make sense? And just the same as Joseph went on a journey, you and I are on a journey. And it starts with this. I want to talk to you just from the Bible, from this passage of Scripture of what I can pick up and things that I can apply in my own life that you can apply in your life. And the first point is this. When it comes to this is you need to be careful who you share your dreams with. Do you understand? You need to be careful who you share your dreams with. Some of you in here, you feel like you're called to something great. I'm not talking about whether it's ministry. I'm talking about life. You actually believe that you're not an accident on planet Earth. You actually got the revelation that you're not a product of evolution. You're a product of design. That when God made you, He was thinking of something He could do extraordinary through you. Does that make sense? Maybe you feel like you're called to the, to the, to the secular. You're, you've got a voice of an angel. Maybe you're a sporting player or a dream or you've got a corporate desire or whatever it is. And there's this, there's this fire going on inside of you. Does this make sense? And you go to the people that you think would support you and say, guess what? I really feel like I'm called to do something really good. And this fire is exploding out and they go, Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever experienced that where people try to, they feel like it's their job to put your fire out? Have you ever had a dream, my friend? Have you ever had a desire in your heart and gone, oh, if only. Maybe some of you have written in the back of your journal, you felt God speak to you about something and say, I've called you to greatness. 
See, what you need to understand is you're not a product of evolution. You're a God design and you're not even just a God design. The Bible says in Ephesians, you are his masterpiece, which means you're the best of all he created. That's the way he designed you. He made you. See, we get so caught up in labels and we get caught up in everything else. Like I'm wearing a Zara jacket. Now I know that's not a big deal over here, but in Malaysia they go, Zara, ooh. How many people know Zara is nothing in the kingdom of God? <laughs> Lift up the back of my collar, it says Zara. Lift up the back of my neck, it says made by God. I was knit together in my mother's womb, man. God's going, I made you, man, I made you. Do you understand? Listen, and you have a dream and a desire and you start going to your, Joseph went to his brothers and said, I had a dream. And they went, who do you think you are? David had a dream. David ran before the, came before the army and saw Goliath sitting in the distance taunting the, 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 the God's army. And he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he knew he was called to something great. But it was his brothers turn and said, what are you doing here? How many people know sometimes the people you think would support your dream will put it out and they actually think they're doing you a favour? Now, listen, I'm not about being an unrealist. If someone hasn't got a voice and they sound like a crow on steroids and they say, I think I'm called to sing, I will give them heavenly counsel. Amen, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about being ridiculous. Someone says, I think I'm called to sing. And they're like, they create a new key. (laughs) Listen, just because you sound good in the shower doesn't mean you should be singing in front of audiences. Amen. Praise God. Everybody sounds good in the shower. It's because you've got water in your ears. Amen. Praise God. Do you understand? That's, That's simple logic, right? But I'm talking about, no, you know you're called to do something. You know you're not an accident. You know you weren't designed to hold your head down. You know you weren't supposed to apologize for the color of your skin. You know there was, do you understand what I'm saying? You just feel it. And you go to people and you go, I believe that I'm called to do something. They go, they put you out. Come on, man, we're going to stir people up. See, I long for the day, and and you hear this so often, I can't wait for the day that this is the small service in Capitol Theatre. Amen. Come on, folks. I said to the morning service, this amazes me, a nine o'clock service, and people are still walking in at 9.25. I can't wait for the day they can't get a seat. Not because I don't want them in the house of God. I want them to come early. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I can't wait for the day that there are more churches rising up in Singapore than temples. I can't wait for the day that the corporate giants start their corporate day with a prayer meeting. Amen. Come on, folks. Does that make sense? that people get more excited about a fish sticker on the back of a car than a Rolls Royce driving down the freeway. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can't wait for that day. And I can't wait for the day that Singapore saved. I can't wait for the day that Christmas and Easter become the biggest celebrations that Singapore ever have. Amen. Come on, folks. And some of you are going, yeah, but others are going, don't be ridiculous. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day that God turns this nation upside down. That Capitol Feet is filled nine times on a Sunday. That this is just a city youth meeting. Come on, man. I can't wait for the day that this is just the leaders. Oh, that's a bit of a big dream. Oh, thank you. Why can't it be? You know what? Bless you. 
I remember, like, I, I, listen, I'm not saying it's a negative, but I used to, st- I always think like this. I can remember being Kale when I first came over to Kale, and I turned around and said to the guys, one day this room will be too small for us. It is too small for us. I can remember, like, Facebook came up the other week, right? You know how it comes up with memories? And so it came with the memory of the Christmas Day service and it said, come and join us for our Christmas service 2013. We're meeting in this hub, which is we call the Dragon's Den, right? Because it's in this area behind Asia Jaya, man, where there's demon-possessed dogs and syringes in the car park, right? I mean, even the, the dogs are evil. You remember those dogs, right? I mean, they were, they were freaky stuff. Or not. They were, they, you don't go near those dogs. They look like they're about to manifest, right? Even cockroaches left this building. You understand? And we had our Christmas service there, two services there. And it says, come and come and join us for our Christmas services. And around 600 people turned up to church on that Christmas Day service, 2013. Well, listen, 2019 Christmas Day service, we had it some way, right? And 5,200 people came out for one service. Our overflow was overflowing. That was just in seven short years. Look what God has done. But when we used to say to people, hey, this room will be too small, they go, hmm. Now some way is too small. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, right? One day this room will be too small. One day you'll, have to, you'll be lining up to get into the house of God. Oh, that's inconvenient. Well, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you the person that's got a dream? I, I think about that when it comes to church. What's your dream? Who are you sharing it with? You know what I love about Joseph? He never stopped dreaming. Even when people try to put his fire out, he came back and said, guess what? I dreamed another dream. I want to stir some of you people in this room here right now. You need to keep on dreaming. If God's giving you a dream, it'll keep on going. Does this make sense, church? See, we need to be careful. who The father rebuked him, but he kept the matter in mind. And I think that's a powerful thing. I've got no problem with someone bringing some alignment into my life, but at least the father kept the matter in mind. He didn't say it won't come to pass. He said he rebuked him. He says, come on, man, are you really saying this? But he kept the matter in mind. See, I felt God speak to me last week about Singapore. And I felt like there are people in this room here today that you've forgotten your dream. You've forgotten the dream that God gave you. And I want to stir some of you to go back home and remind yourself of your dream. I want you to pick out that journal where you wrote that dream, where you wrote God, if only, where you felt God call you to do something. It doesn't matter what it is, but you felt God lay on your heart. You knew you're not an accident. You knew you were called to do something on purpose. You need to go and find that promise that God gave you and remind yourself of the dream. Some of you in this place, you need to start dreaming again. Isn't it amazing how the world can slowly crush your dreams? You have a little kid that used to come home dressed up and they'd be dressed up as Spider-Man. They go, when I grow up, I want to be Spider-Man. And you go, isn't that cute? But if an adult wants to be (laughs) Spider-Man, come on, folks, we settle. Where's the dreamers? The dreamers change worlds. The dreamers change worlds. There are people in here, you've forgotten your dream. God didn't forget the dream. Joseph never forgot his dream. Is this making sense to anybody? Goes on to say this, right? See, we know the story of, you understand from Joseph, he has this dream. His brothers hate him so much, they throw him in a pit and then he goes from the pit. I love it because it's like, I've got more for you. Don't worry, the pit's not the end. I'm gonna get you sold into slavery. But then it's okay, I'm gonna get you out of slavery. I'm gonna get you thrown into prison, right? So we know the journey that goes on before he gets to the promise. See, what you need to understand is this, is Joseph had a dream, but there were a lot of diversions along the way. But what you need to understand, point number two, is diversions can be growth factors. Listen, diversions can be growth factors. 
Sometimes we think, oh, this is the pathway. When Joseph had that dream, I'm sure he thought it was going to go one way. But God, it's not that God had the plan, but God allowed the plan to come to pass. I've mentioned this from the pulpit many, many times, so I'm not going to keep on repeating it. But Joseph was thrown into pit. Pit stands for preacher in training. Do you understand? Some of you want to be a preacher, but you don't want to go through any pits. Some of us want a testimony, but we don't want to test. Some of us want to claim victory, but we don't want to battle. God, I want the vic- give me the victory. I had victory. Well, where was the fight? Listen, you can't have a victory if there's no battle. You've got to have a battle first, folks. Now, I don't say bring on the battle, but we shouldn't be afraid of the battle. The Bible says we are not of those that shrink back. Does this make sense? What's the point of quoting, greater is he that's in me, if we're not prepared for a battle? See, folks, diversions can be growth factors. They can be tests, so don't fear them. You've got to see your tests as opportunities. See, for me, it's this. I, 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 you know, God's certain grown me in prayers that I've prayed. I asked God to give me patience. You know what he did? He moved me to Malaysia. He didn't zap me with patience. He moved me to a country where I have to display it. I love Malaysia. I'm in love with Malaysia, but man, I hate the traffic. Every day I'll see something that shocks me. Just when you think you've seen the worst, someone will top it. The other day, I'm driving down a road on my lane and there's an uncle driving towards me on my lane. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm in my lane. You know, we're talking through the windscreen. He wants me to back up so he can keep on driving. Now, I know a couple of the reasons is because status is everything. I was only driving a My V. That's my car, My V, a Perdua. Hey, represent. Number one selling car in Malaysia, yeah. Puradua, baby. It's not just a my V, it's my V. Amen, praise God. But he was driving a Velfire, or what I like to call a Hellfire. It is a, it's a big van, which means that its status is everything in Malaysia and it's definitely here in Singapore too. Depending on what car you drive means you don't obey rules. Amen. Over in, over in Malaysia, it's, if you drive a Mercedes, it means you can actually move lanes without even looking. <laughs> Most uncles just drive like this. I said the perfect Malaysian car has no mirrors and no indicators because nobody uses them. Amen. Come on, folks. They just drive forward like this. And if they hit you, it's your fault. You know, it's like, do you understand? And so this guy's actually honking me. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do here, God? What am I going to do here? And God goes, back up. I'm going, he's in the wrong lane. He's driving on my lane, the wrong direction. God says, back up. How many people know it's going to teach you patience? Now, I've got to admit, sometimes I pass the test, but I've failed it plenty of times. <laughs> so I was lining up to go to the bathroom one time in a shopping mall in one Utama, right, which is a very famous shopping mall. As I'm lining there, all of a sudden the door opens, and at, before I go to walk in, this uncle tries to squeeze past me. This is where I failed because I picked him up. <laughs> like I was lined up to go to the bathroom. This guy just pushes in. So I went, whee. <laughs> you should have seen his uncle. He's like, hey, hey. I said, no, uncle, me first. And he's like, oh, how can you not see me?
I even had the test when I was actually lining up. I was flying, to, uh, flying here yesterday. And uh, AirAsia KLI2, right, doesn't have an auto gate to go through. So I can't just put my passport through. I have to line up in a, in a, in a customs thing. Now, normally that's a pretty short line for foreign uh, travellers, right? But this time the rest of the Malaysian auto gates weren't working. So they made everybody come over to these gates, right? So now there's like 150, 250, maybe even 300 people lined up, right? And uh, I'm going, oh my gosh, man. And then, then they've got 12 custom gates, but only two custom custom officers working at the gates, right? But the funniest part is they had seven other customs officers sitting over just having a group chat because that's a lovely thing to do. Let's just hang out here and talk instead of opening up and helping the rest of the world. So my blood's already starting to boil, man. I'm at the back of the line because it's not moving, you know what I mean? And then someone is thinking of trying to cut in front of me. Trust me, you don't want to cut in front of me. That's why I don't wear Kingdom City t-shirts in the line because... I will be a bad representation at this point here. The guy starts moving. I went, I just looked at him. I didn't even have to say anything. My look was like, don't even think about it. That's when I take on the Liam Nelson. That's when I take on the flipping, you know, I will find you. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm freaking out, man. It's like, so then I'm sitting there going, I feel my temperature rising. And God says, will you calm down? And I'm like, so you know what I did? I opened up my iPad and I started reading the Bible. Right? And that's, I just thought that's the best way to do it, man. So I started reading. By the time I got to the customs officer, I'd read 10 chapters. That was a bit, it was good. And then God said, how do you feel? I said, I feel pretty good. I passed the patience test, man. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, there are diversions that are going to come in your life that God will allow, but they're there to grow you. Some of you have been asking for financial stewardship and now you're broke. How many people know you'll learn how to manage that? Come on, man, one Singapore dollar will be like gold to you. Whereas when you've got a lot of it, you throw it away like there's no tomorrow. Does this make sense? See, we've got to understand diversions are growth factors. Tests, don't fear them. You know, some of people say, well, I can't hear God speaking. Listen, just because God's silent, it doesn't mean he's not active. Can I throw that one in? Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not active. And sometimes we want God to be speaking. God is always speaking to us, by the way, too, my friends. But sometimes you're asking God to give you the same answer he gave you yesterday. When God's going, you're heading in the right direction. Trust me, if you're heading in the wrong direction, I will speak up. God will bring a roadblock in your life to let you know that that's not my call. right? But sometimes you're not going to get a prophetic word every week because you already know what it is that you're supposed to do. So just because God seems silent doesn't mean he's not active. Does this make sense, folks? Are you okay with me? Number three, look for signs along the way. When you're on your journey, look for signs along the way. See, this is the thing. When you're on this journey, you've got to look for the signs. Some of you are going, I don't know what's going on. Joseph was on this journey for 17 years, but God showed him signs all along the way. When he was thrown into a pot of his house as a slave, he wasn't just made the slave, he was made the head of the household. Do you understand? God was showing him a sign. I'm with you all the way. He wasn't just made one of the slaves. He was made in charge of all the slaves. In fact, the Bible says that he was made in Genesis 39. He was made the head of the whole of Potiphar's household. And the only decision he didn't make was what Potiphar ate. But everything else was under his leadership. Does this make sense? God was showing him a sign. And then when he was falsely accused of rape because Potiphar's wife took a fancy to him, and he's thrown into jail. He wasn't just one of the prisoners. He was made the head of the prison guard. So again, God was showing him all along the way, I'm with you. Do you understand? There's signs along the way. 
There's signs along the way. God is gonna show you signs along the way. But if you keep on looking for the big, you might miss the little. You might miss that smile. You might miss that compliment. You might miss that acknowledgement. You might miss those things because you're always looking for the big dramatic when God's in the little. Sometimes we're waiting for the earthquake when God's the still small voice. Does that make sense? Craig Rochelle said it so beautifully. He says, you know why God speaks in a still small voice? Because it requires for you to be close to hear Him. Anybody can hear a shout. Anybody can hear thunder, man. But God wants to be able to speak to you. Hey, I love you. I still believe in you. And sometimes we want it to be this earthquake or this fire or this hurricane force wind. But often it's just, you're doing okay. But you're never going to hear it if you don't draw close to Him. Pastor Andrew used that scripture today, James 4.8. Therefore, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Does this make sense to anybody here? Am I helping anybody in this place? Praise God. Look for signs along the way. The Bible goes on in Genesis 40, and you can put the scripture up so you know I'm not lying, but I'm not going to read it all, right? Obviously, I'm not lying. I'm a pastor. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) That's terrible. Anyway, the thing is this is the Bible talks about a cupbearer who was under Pharaoh's command and a baker that was under Pharaoh's command that now find themselves in prisons for some sort of misdemeanors or different things that they had performed in Pharaoh's palace. And they start having these crazy dreams and they don't know what these dreams mean. So Joseph says, tell me the dreams. He interprets the dreams and he says, cupbearer, you're going to be brought before Pharaoh in three days time and you're going to be reestablished as the cupbearer, the one who puts wine in Pharaoh's hand. He says, but for the baker, he says, it's not going to be so good for you. You're going to end up being uh, executed, right? And both dreams came to pass and Joseph said, but remember me when you're back in Pharaoh's palace, right? See, this is point number four that I want you to understand is help others in their dreams. When you're in your middle, help others in their dreams. Everybody's going through a middle. Everybody's on a journey right now. And sometimes we can be so focused on, I can't talk to anybody else because I've got my own issues. How many people know everybody's got issues? Come on, folks. Listen, I know Singapore culture is this. If I come up and say, how are you today? You go, okay. Because that's your standard answer. You were taught that as a child. Always say, okay. You can't say you're really good because then you're elevating yourself too much. And you can't say you're really bad because then people will be concerned about you and you don't want them to be concerned about them because they've got their own problems. So just say, okay. Let me tell you, listen, okay sucks. If people say to me they're doing okay, I go, why? For the King James fans, okay sucketh. Okay, all right, praise God. Listen, do you understand? I got no problem if you're doing okay, but don't just think okay is a good standard answer. Does this make sense, right? Right? You've got to help other people in their dreams. Everybody's going through a journey. See, let me tell you, if you feel discouraged, my friend, one of the greatest things that you can do is go and find someone to encourage. Stop looking for people to encourage you, but go and find someone to encourage. Does this make sense? I tell you, often for me, when I'm having a bad day and I feel heavy and that sort of stuff there, I'll get into church and you're like, so what I do is I normally put up my heaviness on a coat rack and I go into church and you end up ministering to people and having a great time. And when you go back out to the coat rack to take your heaviness, it's gone. I remember going to God, where's my heaviness gone? He goes, Holy Spirit stole it. See, because while you're helping other people in their in-between, while you're helping other people in their middle, God starts working on yours. Does this make sense? Because you're taking your focus off of just the individual and you're going to the broader spectrum. Does this make sense, guys? We've got to be these types of people. How many people know that Jesus, even in His worst times, still ministered? 
still stepped out. Some of us, we're, we're wondering, how do I get through this? Don't forget everybody around you, people sitting to the right and the left right now need an encouraging word. Why do we do take two? Now, some of you were fantastic. Others of you didn't even get up off of your seat. This is pastor talking right now. You didn't get up off of your seat. You looked at your phone and you ignored everybody. That's not the house of God. Stop blaming your personality. This is the house of God. People in this house right now have been ignored all week. Had no one say one kind word to them the whole week. And now they come to church and get ignored by you. That's a terrible thing. So why do we do take two? Listen, I listen, I love you to bits, church. If you want a church where you're going to be ignored, you're going to hate this place. We'll help you find a church that'll ignore you. But it's the most ridiculous thing to think that that's what we're supposed to be in this house. Because there are hundreds of people in this room here, you've had not one kind word said to you this whole week. If anything, you've had your standard scolding and rebukes and supposedly good advice that's made you feel lousy. And it's robbed you and everybody's ignored you all week. We will not ignore you in this house. So take two is not for you to take two seconds or pull out your phone and check your WhatsApp or look at your social media one more time. It's our opportunity not just to fill a program, but to turn and look at another human being and say, you matter to God. You're here on purpose, and I'm so glad you're here. We will not become that church. I've been to churches where I've been ignored. I will never go back. Where Who's new here? And I put up my hand. I'm new at church. And this lady just come and put a sticker on my collar. I don't get a bag. I get a sticker on my collar, which I don't even know what it represented because no one did anything with that sticker. So I'm walking and think, well, who's going to come to me now? I've got a sticker on my collar. Nobody. I would never go back to that church. I don't go to church to be ignored. I can just move to Singapore. <laughs> oh. oh, some of you go, no, no, no. Yes, 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 yes. Listen, my friends, listen, we will not do that in this house. Because some of you have been ignored your whole life. You're made in God's image. You're a valuable person. We are called to lift up your head. I don't care whether you don't get anything from this message, but take two could change your life. I hope you're okay. I've got a few more minutes, so I'm just going to preach, right? We had a couple join our church, right? God spoke to the wife. They were going to a church. Now, listen, I never encourage anybody to leave their church ever, ever. We don't call people and say, hey, leave your church and join our church. That will never happen. If I find out any staff member does that, they'll, they'll deal with me. Right? I can't stop the congregation from evangelizing. I can't stop them from doing that, right? But listen, we won't ring people up and go, hey, leave your church and join our church. We don't sheep still, but we don't apologize for having delicious grass. Amen. Praise God, right? But this couple, right, they're in their church, leading in the church, right? And leaders in the church. One day God speaks to the woman and says, I want you to leave this church. She goes, what do you mean leave this church? This is our church. Well, I want to leave this church. And she goes, where shall I go? And God said, Kingdom City. Right? She didn't even know who Kingdom City was. So she had to Google it. Right? So she Googles and finds out Kingdom City is this church. And there's a church in Kale. This was in Kuala Lumpur. So they stalled for six months. But God keeps on speaking to her, going, I want you to go along to Kingdom City. 
right? The husband's been unemployed for two years. They don't know what to do, right? They feel desperate. They just go into church because they know it's the right thing to do, right? So finally, they decided to come and check out one of our services. They come when we're in some way, which is amazing because that's when we're at the biggest congregation where most people say, I'm lost in this crowd. I'm lost in this crowd. The church is too big. (laughs) Thank you, Satan. There is no church too big. Amen. Praise God. Doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? The church is too big. (sighs) Praise God. Don't get me on that. Anyway, some of you don't know how to respond to me. The thing is, so they come along to our church. They said, they they went to the VIP, they went to the Connect Lounge, right? And they said, my gosh, man, we've never felt so loved in our lives. The moment we got up the escalator, we were greeted by ushers. The take two people come up and gave us big hugs. We never felt so loved in our lives. So they joined the church. They go to TIK, right? They go down, the guy goes down the front at the altar for prayer. And uh, one of our preachers is preaching. He comes down and starts praying for him. And he goes, oh, I'm just struggling. I need to find a job. I, I haven't had a job for two years, right? This is a guy in his 50s. And the guy feels a word. One of our, our pastors feels a word and says, I feel, you know what? Why don't you go sign up to serve? God's going to do something in that. So the guy goes to the back of the uh, auditorium at the end of the service, signs up to serve. The next day, he gets offered two jobs. Right? Gets offered two jobs, right? Has to turn one of them down, is working his absolute favourite work industry. Got given a company car, this ridiculous pay, and his wife has just signed up for Greenhouse this year. God's completely turned their life around. Listen, that's what we do. We're here to bring value to your life. I don't, listen, can I, can I say this with as much love as I possibly can? If you want to be ignored in the house of God, I want to do a salvation altar call for you. Because something's not right. Someone has taught you a false gospel. Someone has taught you a wrong biblical gospel. It's not Bible. There is nothing in Scripture that will back up that ever, ever. The first thing that God created you for was not for works, not for acts of service. It was for community and relationship. First and foremost. So the very first thing that should happen when you're born again is you should feel a part of a community and build relationship. Amen? Amen. Listen, if anybody wants to come and argue with me, feel free to be wrong. You, you better come with a lot of scriptural evidence before you even come to have an argument with me because you'll be so far wrong, it's unbelievable. Does that make, come on, folks. I'm not trying to be nasty here. I'm just saying there are so many people that have been taught a wrong doctrine. It's not dogma. It's unscriptural. And it's crept into the house of God. And it's robbed people of their value. And that's why people think if I left church, nobody would miss me. People will miss you. You're worth something. Is this making sense? Amen. Last point is this. Always be ready. You could be so much closer than you think. Bible talks about it. Now, I've run out of time, but this is what you need to understand is this. is The Bible says that Pharaoh starts having dreams. Now he's dreaming about seven fat cows and then seven skinny cows eating the fat cows. Then he has dreams about seven fat stalks of wheat and then seven skinny stalks of wheat eating the fat stalks of wheat. And no one can interpret. He calls in the wise philosophers of the day and he says, anybody that can interpret my dream, you're going to get blessed. It's going to be incredible. And no one could do it. Then finally, the cupbearer realizes two years later, hey, there was this guy in prison. His name was Jack, uh, Jonathan, no, Joseph. Amen. Can please no one be leaving right now? 
Okay, I know, listen, Father, we bind up their lunch. Let it stay fresh. He said it was Joseph. He, got, he interpreted my dream. So the Bible says that Pharaoh asked for Joseph to come and see him. Look at this scripture. Just put this scripture up here. It says this in verse 41, uh, 14 of verse 41, Genesis. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. But Joseph first shaved himself, changed his clothes and made himself presentable. Then he came into Pharaoh's presence. I, want to st- I just want to hit you with this, right? Now I know, listen, it says they brought him out hastily, which means you better get and see Pharaoh right now. But it says, but first Joseph shaved. He cut his hair and he made himself presentable before he faced Pharaoh. He'd been in jail for a number of years. His life had been held for 17 years. And now Pharaoh wants to see him. I don't know about you, but he's a human. I would imagine getting to a point going, I don't care how I look. I don't care if my breath stinks. I don't care if he doesn't like my beard or my haircut or the rags that I'm wearing. I've been in prison. What is he going to do? Is he going to kill me? Good, do me a favour and put me out of my misery. But instead, the Bible says that he stopped first. He shaved. He cut his hair. He cleaned himself up and he made himself presentable. Why? Because Joseph never forgot his dream. And he realized this could be my moment. You need to be ready because as Pastor Andrew said at the beginning, God could flick your situation just like that. That even while you're sitting in a service right now and you've been waiting on that job, maybe when you get home and check your emails, because you're not going to check them while I'm doing the Salvation Order call. You could have an email saying, I need you to come in for the interview. Maybe you'll go and check your bank account and all of a sudden that finance would have finally come in. Maybe that family member that's been away for a long time, you never know, you might get a call from them today. They might be waiting at your apartment right now. Does that make sense? Because God can do in a moment what man could never do in a millennium. So we've got to live ready. Smith Wigglesworth said this, he said, if you need to get ready when the time has come, you'll miss it. But if you live ready, you could be one step away from your miracle, my friend. One step away from the breakthrough that God's been waiting to give you. That's why Galatians says this, Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Amen. I believe for some of you in this place here, I believe there's a miracle about to take place in some of your lives that there's going to be an answer coming to you. You've got to hold fast to your dream. One of, the, one of the saddest things, being a pastor for such a long time, but being involved in ministry, is people that have given up just before the breakthrough. Just, I can't need God, blah, blah, blah. And they're getting so frustrated because God's not speaking. If God's not speaking, stop. I love I was talking to a great couple here and they're saying there's confusion right now. I said, okay, cool. If you've got confusion, just stop because God's not the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. So if I can't make sense of stuff, that means I can't make sense of stuff. So I go, God, I can't make sense. I'm not being negligent. I'm being a son. There are people in this place here. Let me tell you, my friends, there's people in this place here. God has got something for you. God's got something significant. He hasn't forgotten the dream He gave you. Don't you forget the dream He gave you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much 
that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.